Welcome to Dave Turner's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. This podcast was originally published on the week of June 17, 2019, and runs for approximately 25 minutes. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Seat Yourself podcast. I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself. As you regular listeners know, we come to you from our Tabletop Journal studios here in Baltimore, and we bring you 15 to 20 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. And for you first-time listeners, we typically start with the relevant news of the week, and later on, we bring you information on some of the hospitality tabletop categories' newest and coolest companies and their products. We frequently offer up commentary on issues also that we consider to be relevant within this great industry of ours. And this week, we'll offer a few updated thoughts on the three building blocks that build strong brands. And of course, each week, we bring you 60 Seconds with Shannon, that segment where tabletop and buffetware category manager Shannon Talon of the Edward Don and Company addresses the issue of the week in her own straightforward and unvarnished way. This week, Shannon addresses the issue of non-traditional channels of supply, such as club stores and more. And she'll also discuss how manufacturers might want to view these non-traditional resources for tabletop and other things. It's all right here, only on Seat Yourself. And by the way, this week marks our 31st episode of Seat Yourself. It's hard to believe as the time has continued to fly by, and we certainly have you, the listeners, to thank for all this. Thanks for checking us out each and every week. Now, enough of all that. Sit back and relax as we get this episode started. At Seat Yourself, we always start with our stat of the week. And this week's stat of the week is 6.3. That's the number of hours spent daily in 2018 with digital media by adult users in the United States, according to research and marketing firm eMarketer. This 6.3 number is up nearly 7% from the previous year and up nearly 30% from 2013. And not only is digital media usage growing in the United States, the rate of usage is accelerating each and every year. Interesting to note that nearly all of that growth, by the way, is coming from mobile devices. And for the first time this year, 2019, this will be the first year that daily media time on mobile devices will top daily television consumption. So it's not just your imagination that everyone you see is staring into a phone. More and more, mobile is where we're getting our news, our entertainment, and essentially all our information, including the information we receive on hospitality tabletop products. So those of you involved in the marketing within the hospitality industry, take note. Mobile is increasingly where your audience is. So that's our stat of the week this week, 6.3. That's the number of hours we're spending on digital media per day this year, and next year will be even more. And in our lead news story this week, a story that was announced earlier, former chief executive and group managing director of Churchill, China, Andrew Roper, has announced his intention to retire in 2020 after 45 years of service to the company. The manufacturers confirmed that Roper will step down from his position on the company's board in August of next year. In a statement to the London Stock Exchange, Churchill Chairman Alan McWalter said, I'd like to thank Andrew for his outstanding contribution to the development of Churchill and wish him well for the future. Roper retired from his position as Chief Executive in 2014. The announcement came at the company's annual general meeting, 
where McWalter stated that the Churchill business had made further progress since its preliminary results in March and that the board remains confident that its full-year performance will be in line with market expectations. McWalter also said, Growth has remained strong in Europe, supported by the opening of their Rotterdam distribution center. And he went on to say, Recent new product introductions continue to be well-received, further improving the proportion of our revenue and sales of technically differentiated value-added product. We continue to create opportunities to develop our business, and we have increased the level of investment within our operations in the first half of 2019 to support this. We expect that this investment will continue as part of our long-term approach to value generation. And he also added, the integration of the Dudson brand and the products purchased in April into Churchill is proceeding well. So congratulations to Andrew Roper on his 45 years of service to the Churchill brand. It certainly looks as though Roper is leaving the company at a time when it's in great shape and in great hands as well to continue that success into the future. Well done, Andrew Roper. And in our next news story this week, here's a unique opportunity. Have you got a great new idea or a young company looking for a partner to help it grow? Well, the innovators at Tabletop and Ceramic Leader Villaroy and Bach may be able to help you, or at least give you the opportunity to prove your case. The Germany-based Tabletop and Wellness Company has recently started a new division, Villaroy and Bach Innovations, to help it bring to the surface entrepreneurs and young companies that might benefit from a cooperation with the global brand leader. In fact, the company has set up a startup pitch day to be held on Monday, August 26th, in the company headquarters town of Metlock, Germany. This will be a day where young companies will have the opportunity to present their innovative business ideas and possibly convince the jury to collaborate with them. The company says that a cooperation with Villaroy and Bach Innovations could possibly include financial investment as well as collaboration on a sales basis. V&B is interested in startups that are active in the areas of digital and network products in e-commerce, and as well as production processes or develop uh, or companies that develop innovations in the material sector even. And of course, they'd be interested in startups that operate in the current trendy topics of e-health, nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle. Here's the best news. Participation in the competition is free. We think this is an interesting idea and possibly a great opportunity for young entrepreneurs and young companies to pitch their ideas and, who knows, possibly collaborate with a global brand leader. For more information, you can check out our story in Tabletop Journal's industry news section, where there are links to the application process for Villarin Box Pitch Day there. This is a July deadline for the applications, so you may want to check it out soon. And in our lead product story this week is a new wine glass from Luigi Bormioli. <clears throat> the collection is called I Miravigliosi. Now for us, and maybe for you too, that's, that may be a bit of a mouthful, so we just started calling it around here the I Mira Collection. Anyway, we recently received a sample of this beautiful new wine glass. And while we don't encourage it, occasionally people send us samples of new products or a new catalog. And if they do that, we always try our best to recognize the company that goes to all that trouble. Whether it's a product sample or a copy of the newest catalog, if they go to the trouble, we try to give them their love. Well, this particular wine glass sample, I was really glad to have received a sample from the U.S. distributor of Luigi Bormioli, who, by the way, is Bauscher Hepp. I was really glad they sent a sample and I'll tell you why. The iMira wine glass is simply not your ordinary new food service wine glass. And it really would have been terribly hard to know that from a press release or a catalog photo. The new iMira wine glass collection is, is a traditional shape 
and it's got really clean and simple design lines. The bowl of the glass is a traditional shape, as I said, and it's, but although it's traditional, it's really flat at the bottom in its design. And evidently that flatness has a purpose. According to Jeff Heaney, president of Bowser Hep, he says, quote unquote, the wine just sits in the bowl of the Imer Vigliosi very uniquely. The bowl shape keeps the wine from being so vertically pushed up. It not only looks great, but it helps with aeration as well. And Jeff, I have to say, I totally agree with you on this. Jeff is right. The wine looks great sitting in the bowl of this glass. And yes, I'm guessing that the flat bottom design of the bowl is a bit more area of the wine surface exposed. So I'm guessing Jeff is right on the aeration issue as well. But we're not wine experts. We just know what we like. And regarding the aeration issue, we'll leave that to those of you who are wine experts, and you'll need to weigh in on this aspect. But what was impressive to us was the overall look and the feel, the balance, the all very clean looking design. And at least to us, this seemed to be a glass without any pretension at all. To me, this is a glass that very quietly puts the wine first rather than the glass. And what do I mean by all of that? Well, first of all, there's a very thin stem combined with what seems to be the perfect size foot. And then there's the height. For instance, the Cabernet glass that we received was nine and a half inches tall, which to us is perfect for a restaurant table. It gives you the right height without being intrusive. And so with bowl size, the thin stem, the diameter of the foot area, eye mirrors seemed all very proportionate to us. And all of this, and just one more thing, seems to make this a great overall wine glass selection for restaurant and hotel operators. Now, that one more thing I stated is durability of the iMirror collection. It doesn't do operators much good if a wine glass looks great, but doesn't hold up well in service. And regarding the durability issue itself, evidently the Luigi Bormioli people reinforced the strength of the iMirror glass with a titanium treatment to the stem area which is obviously where a lot of the breakage in a wine glass can occur in a hospitality setting. According to Luigi Bormioli's testing, that titanium treatment increases the stem's resistance to breakage by 140%. And evidently it also helps with the clarity of the glass so that it won't be affected over time with the commercial dishwashers that are used in restaurants and hotels. So hitting that just right intersection where beauty and grace and a performance of a great wine drinking uh, experience, and finally operational performance, that's not very easy to do these days. And I think iMira touches all of those bases very, very well. To find a wine glass design that meets the visual requirements for elevating the wine experience for the guest, and then is strong enough so that it doesn't break every time it's touched, that's a pretty great combination for the hospitality industry. And it should help any operator who uses an iMira wine glasses from Luigi Bormioli and Bauscherhap. It should help to give a better wine experience to their guests and therefore sell more wine. And maybe at even just slightly higher prices, they might be able to sell their wine. All very sexy and all very strong. That's our takeaway on the iMira Vigliosi wine glass from Luigi Bormioli. If you're in the U.S. and like more information, or perhaps your own sample, please reach out to the team at Bauscherhap. Here's their website, bauscherhep.com. You can also go to Luigi Bormioli's site to find out more about the iMira Vigliosi collection, and that is bormioliluigi.com. Be sure to check this one out. You'll be glad you did. And in another new product segment, at the recent NRA show in Chicago, we had a chance to preview the newest creation from Cloud Terra and the company's very talented founder and designer, Amber Kendrick. Of course, CloudTerra is part of the wide-ranging portfolio of products from hospitality tabletop leader Fortessa. 
The new Lacote dinnerware designed by Amber Kendrick is an inspiration driven by the warm colors of the Cote d'Azur area of southern France and represents a departure from the rough-hewn geometric design of Kendrick's first collection, appropriately titled Collection Number 1. This time around, Amber has designed, in her words, quote-unquote, something very feminine with softer colors. There's blues and greens in what might be considered in a more traditional dinnerware collection versus the more masculine and more sculptural approach to the pieces in collection number one. For us, it's always a pleasure to spend time with Amber Kendrick as she's just one of those people who sees things in a very unique way, in ways that touch the human spirit and the human soul. And Amber always has a way to work that sensuality and spirit into her designs in a way that many others simply cannot replicate. The Nuba Coat Dinnerware design from Fortessa and Cloud Terre has a wide range of soft, curvy shapes to go with its warm, south of France color hues. You can go to Tabletop Journal and see our entire interview with Amber, where she explains her new Lacote dinnerware in her own words. More great design from the very talented Amber Kendrick. It's all there on our journal page at tabletopjournal.com. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Dodd Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about non-tradition sources of supply. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Shannon Talon again, the tabletop and category manager for Edward Don and Company out of Chicago. And Shannon, this week's question is that we continue to hear how restaurateurs, especially independent restaurateurs, are purchasing more and more through club stores like Ikea or BJ's, Costco, whoever. Uh, First of all, do you see these channels of distribution as, or how do you see them? Let's put it that way. And, And how should manufacturers really treat these types of distribution channels? That's a, that's a great question, Dave. I think that we certainly, we, we agree, we see that uh, end users uh, and operators uh, are turning more and more to um, some of those channels. Um, I think some of that is due to just the, the ease of getting product. It might be easy for them to stop at one of these club stores or go to Ikea. And certainly some of the price points are hard for them to, uh, to turn down. However, I don't necessarily feel that that's a very sustainable model for operators because ultimately uh, when they have, if they have an issue with a product or they need help with a return or support or wear washing and handling, whatever the case might be. Or maybe even a reorder. (laughs) Yeah, truly the resupply as well. Uh, You know, the distributor sales rep is such a key person in that dynamic the fact that operators have somebody they can go to when they need anything that they don't have with those non-traditional channels. Um, I think that that is the key difference. And while there may be that convenience factor temporarily or upfront with those channels, what customers need long-term is that support and that person that they can call or text or email uh, and that sense of immediacy that they know they've got somebody who's got their back. And so while I think that those alternate channels are always going to be there in the background. Uh, they're never going to be a substitute for the value, uh, the value and the support that a distributor brings. Um, and I think for the manufacturing community, they just need to be aware of that. And I think it's something that, 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 that they certainly realize, but they, they have to consider again, the relationships that they've built with their distributor partners and understanding just how important and critical that service element is to the customer. 
Yeah, we've talked about it before, but trust is so critical to the relationship between the uh, the operator and their their source of supply. And and through the traditional dealer or distributor network, I think uh, hopefully there's a lot of trust back and forth that could never really be uh, equated on a box store kind of kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about the three building blocks of strong brands. In this week's commentary, I want to return to something we discussed very early on in one of our earlier episodes of Seat Yourself, and that is what it takes to build strong brands these days. And this is especially in a time where, as we learned earlier in this podcast, we are spending more and more of our time each and every day on digital media. In our first take on building strong brands, I mentioned that there are three basic building blocks you must have if you're attempting to build a strong brand in the food service and hospitality industry. You must have authenticity, you must have consistency, and you must have frequency. And yes, all three of those things are still very, very true. But now I'd like to discuss those three building blocks in the context of today's increasingly digital marketing world. Today, every company has some sort of digital marketing presence. Frankly, it would be hard to imagine a company or a brand without a digital presence of some type today. Today, with there being so many digital platforms, not only do you need to know where to place that message, more importantly, you need to know what that message should be. Let's take authenticity, for instance. There's no more important a building block than that of authenticity. What does that mean in a digital marketing world? Well, the first thing it means is that as a brand, you must truly understand who you are and who your primary and possibly your secondary target audience is. Remember, each target audience today is looking for specific solutions to its specific needs. None of us wants to have, feel like we have to settle for a generic solution. And for a brand to be strong, it must be who it says it is. And it needs to first understand and then secondly provide an authentic solution for the needs of its targeted customers. And with today's varied needs of customers, their wide range of uh, customers that are in the hospitality business, it would be hard for suppliers to know intimately and then completely understand the needs of every type of hospitality customer. After all, the needs of an independent restaurateur are widely different than that of a large cruise ship or a senior living center or even a top country club with multiple dining outlets. Even a large hotel with multiple outlets and and an active banquet business has very different food and beverage outlook when it comes to tabletop than, say, a budget hotel whose only food and beverage may be simple grab-and-go carry-out. Even for operators, the same is true. Better to be a great taco truck selling handmade tortillas and killer tacos made with fresh farm ingredients than an upscale department store uh, restaurant trying to sell tacos with store-bought processed tortillas and frozen or canned vegetables. It's that simple. Okay, so maybe that's not the best analogy, but you get the point. You must be authentic and you must be who you say you are. So being authentic means you're probably not going to appeal to every segment within the hospitality industry the same way. So suppliers, even operators, To make sure your brand continues to be strong, stop trying to appeal to everyone in the same light. In today's world filled with fake news and overhyped everything, be truly who you say you are. Be authentic. 
The second building block of strong brands is consistency. And while consistency is important in our products and our brand messaging, it's also important in how we conduct our business. And that consistency is important no matter where in the world we may operate. We cannot expect to be a trusted brand leader in one part of the world and something totally different in another continent several time zones away. Today, a brand's reputation is known around the world, and the more consistent you can make that reputation from country to country, from marketplace to marketplace, the stronger your brand will be. In our digital world, where communication is done at soon-to-be 5G speed, a brand's reputation is built globally, and it has to be viewed that way. Even brands that may only do business in a single country or region, they too have very quickly a global reputation. And in case you hadn't heard, people talk, and it's a small world. And yes, today, those trite sayings are more accurate than they've ever been before. Indeed, the world has shrunk, and the issue of consistency of who we are as a brand or a company has truly become a global issue. If you are, quote-unquote, inconsistent as a brand, the world will soon recognize it. And therefore, consistency is still the second key to building that strong global reputation. The third building block we've talked about is frequency. And just as we measure consistency on a global basis in our heavily digitized world, frequency is also measured in the same global terms. This is particularly true in the area of brand messaging. No longer are you competing for a share of your customer's mind with local or even regional competitors. Social media has made it easier and easier for brand stories and messages to get out on a global basis to create demand and to create awareness all around the world. So today, no matter if you're a small regional brand or a large global brand, you are competing with brand messages that your customers are receiving from literally all over the world. The days of running an ad or two occasionally and expecting any kind of return are long over. And another point on the issue of global messaging, understand and expect that ads that you do run in any of your social media posts or even the image of your trade show booth, they're all going to be seen by people all around the globe. And a quick sidebar, the salespeople who represent you wherever you sell, they are a big part of your brand messaging as well. Salespeople are no longer just salespeople. These days, they're brand ambassadors and a big, big part of your brand messaging. And that's another topic for another day. And we'll return to that. But make no mistake about it. Salespeople are brand ambassadors much more than salespeople. And so, yes, it's very true. You need to make sure that those brand messages, all of them, are saying just what you want them to say. But just as importantly, to get them heard, those messages must be frequent. So along with authenticity, along with consistency, a strong brand must be frequent in today's noisy digital world. And finally, remember, brands are still all about trust. And like ourselves, when we are consumers, consumers within the hospitality world, and perhaps especially within the hospitality tabletop world, where sometimes it's not as, there's not as much differentiation as we'd like, customers in the hospitality world buy products and they buy brands from people that they trust. So authenticity, consistency, frequency. They've always been the critical building blocks of building strong brands. And now, in an ever-accelerating digital world, they're even more critical than ever before. Well, that's it, everybody. That wraps up today's Seat Yourself podcast. I want to thank Shannon Talon for joining us. And of course, I especially want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in today. 
And finally, I want to thank the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring, in part, this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. This is Dave Turner, and we'll see you next time. But always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's edition of Dave Turner's Seat Yourself podcast series. Check us out at SeatYourselfPodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Seat underscore Yourself underscore. For more information and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out TabletopJournal.com or email Dave at DT at TabletopJournal.com. And don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review.